This is Invincible Career. I'm Larry Cornette. The inspiration for this week's topic comes from a podcast listener, LP Lynn. Thank you. Um, they said, you mentioned that you ask questions to keep the conversation flowing. So this was in a, a recent episode that I had. It sounds like an excellent topic for your next podcast, smart questioning techniques of an interesting conversationalist. So I decided to write a little bit more about that. Conversational skills actually don't come naturally for me <laughs> at all. Uh, I'm a bit shy in group settings. I really am. And I'm an introvert. I just prefer to fade back into a dark corner and observe the room. That's just kind of who I am. However, I had to work on myself to get better at engaging with people since it was a useful skill set for my profession when I was a product executive. I was doing a lot of public speaking and a lot of events, a lot of networking, after parties, all that stuff. So I had to get better at it. And it's even more important for me now as a leadership coach and career advisor. You know, I'm talking with people every day. I'd say that being a great conversationalist comes down to three things. One is preparation. Another is curiosity. And then finally, engagement. So for preparation, I know that it sounds like homework. <laughs> it does. And while it can be for conversations in professional situations, so job interviews, you know, a conference meetup, networking events, I'm speaking of preparation in a broader sense of taking a little time to learn more about the context and the people in a given setting. So something that you will be attending, whether that's in person or online. When you come up with ideas that are related to an event, you'll be prepared to have something interesting to discuss. For example, before I attended a meetup at a company's headquarters, and this was a few years ago, I browsed their recent press releases, their product announcements, and other news in the industry. That made it easier to talk with people about something relevant, and it was something they were already very familiar with, you know, one of their own press releases. So if you know who you'll be meeting, you can do your homework on the person too and on some of the people you'd like to meet. Read about their background, where they went to school, where they've worked, what they've written, things they've posted online or tweeted. You know, within reason, don't be creepy. <laughs> don't be stalking years of Instagram photos. You don't have to do that. You can immediately build rapport with someone by discussing something about them. It shows that you cared enough to check them out and think about questions to ask and things to discuss. I've had that happen. I've met people who did a little bit of homework and they knew some things about me. And I have to admit, you know, it was a little bit flattering. And despite what people say, human beings do enjoy a little flattery. So the next is engagement. I want to talk about that. This is where most people fall flat on their faces during a conversation. Everyone, okay, almost everyone, is distracted by their phones. It's, it's kind of an endemic issue to our society now. Everybody's looking at their phones. And I'm sure you've also experienced a disappointing conversation with someone whose eyes were darting all around the room, you know, looking for someone more important to talk with next. I had that happen at conferences all the time. I'd have my name badge and, you know, it had eBay on it. 
And people are like, oh, eBay, boring. And so they would talk with you, but they'd be looking all around the room, hoping that there was someone else to talk with. I mean, wow. Talk about making someone feel terrible. You have to give your conversational partners 100% of your attention. That's what I mean by engagement. 100%. If you can't do that, then excuse yourself and leave. Don't be that distracted person who fubs others, you know, snubbing people while you're on your phone, answers questions in a half-hearted manner or constantly glancing around the room like the person I met. The online version of this is in Zoom meetings are the people who are obviously checking their email or reading Slack while you're talking with them. I mean, yeah, this can happen in huge meetings like an exec's doing a long and boring all-hands update. Most people probably had their cameras off anyway. I get it. But you shouldn't do this to people in small meetings. It probably doesn't feel great when people ignore you and act like anything else they're doing is more important than listening to you, right? So don't tune out and make others feel unimportant. You should know that we can see that the lighting on your face changes as you switch between app windows. People can tell when you're, you're jumping between windows. We can see your eyes scanning lines of text. It's like, you're not even listening. You're not paying attention. And on the flip side, as a speaker, you should pay attention to your conversational partner. Whether that's in person or it's on Zoom, you know, how are they reacting? Note their facial expressions and watch their eyes. It's pretty much all we have on video chat now is the face. You can tell when someone seems interested and they're actively engaged. You can also tell when you're losing someone and they might be getting bored because you've probably been talking too long. I recently mentioned this. I think it's something like 40 seconds. If you talk longer than 40 seconds, people kind of tune out. You have to remember a good conversation is give and take. Each person should be speaking about 50% of the time. And then finally, I want to talk about curiosity. And there are actually five dimensions of curiosity. Being a curious person isn't a binary trait of whether you're curious about things or not. There is some research on this. Um, Dr. Todd Cashton and a few other partners had published an article on this. And they uncovered these five dimensions. One is joyous exploration. So that's being curious and seeking knowledge and information with the pure joy of learning and growing. Somebody who's just curious. And you see this in a professional setting too. Like they, people just like to learn new things. So that's joyous exploration. And then there's deprivation sensitivity. That's number two. And that's philosophically pondering complex ideas and solving problems. You know, just thinking about stuff and thinking through big issues. The third is stress tolerance. And that is a willingness to explore confusing complex areas, being curious about them, even when it causes anxiety and doubt. So it can be stressful. But these people have high stress tolerance and they're willing to do that. They like doing that. The fourth is social curiosity. There are two kinds. There's overt and covert. <laughs> That's a curiosity about people and what they think or do. And there is, you know, a positive pattern and a dark pattern. The covert curiosity is snooping and surveillance and spying on people. That's not good. And then finally, thrill-seeking. And that's taking risks to have varied and intense experiences. So a final dimension of curiosity. 
So overt social curiosity is a healthy interest in understanding other people's behaviors and thoughts and feelings. As you might imagine, people high in this trait tend to also be high in empathy. And that combination of traits of curiosity and empathy can help someone be very tuned in to a conversational partner. When I think back, the best conversationalists that come to my mind that I've met in my life are those who seem genuinely curious about me. I mean, so much so that I, I wondered if they were faking it. And I remember thinking, it's like, really? <laughs> You're interested in me. You want to know more about me and what I do. Regardless of their true intent, it worked. You know, it works. I enjoyed the attention and the conversation felt natural as they asked more questions and they really paid attention to me. And in turn, I asked questions about them. Now, asking open questions will often lead to a more interesting conversation. Closed conver- or closed questions that could be answered with just a simple yes or no it makes it a lot more challenging to keep a conversation flowing. And when you do that, it just feels like you're grilling the other person, you know. Do you do this? Yes. Do you do this? No. Do you do this? <laughs> it's like, it's not really a conversation. So for example, asking, do you work with Susan might lead to a quick answer that closes the door. Yes, I do. No, I don't. But asking, how did you meet Susan? Opens the discussion to a more interesting story, the background about their, ex- their experience of meeting each other. So speaking of questions, let me give some examples of some sample questions that might help with your next conversation. And these aren't meant to be used verbatim. It's just to get you thinking a little bit. So I'm going to range these from simple to kind of spicy and a little controversial. You have to gauge the receptivity of your conversational partner. It is this delicate social dance. There are subtle signals. There's an ebb and a flow of a conversation. You have to test the waters. You don't jump right into the deep end with somebody you don't know. (laughs) Some people will only be comfortable with a conversation that stays on the surface level. You know, whatever the event is that you're attending or the situation that you're in with that person. And I've met people like that at conferences. We discussed the talks. We talked about a panel that we both had attended. But they seemed kind of reluctant to have the conversation drift into more personal questions or to talk about work. You know, they just don't want to. And you can't force it. You shouldn't force it. So here are some fairly safe, easy questions that you can use to break the ice with someone. Uh, It works well. If you've been in an event together, you're doing something together. You can say like, what has been your favorite talk so far? How long have you been a part of this organization or group or company or whatever it is? What advice would you give to someone starting in this field? Which is great when you're meeting someone who's a little more advanced in their career in a specific profession. You can say, oh, I'm not familiar with product management. What advice would you give to a young person starting out in product management? You can drift off a little bit and talk about what's the most recent book you've read. Maybe it could be related to the conference topic. And would you recommend it? What's the best conference you've ever attended? And talk about past conferences. Another good one is like, what's the most interesting thing you've been working on lately? And that can be a long, fun conversation where you're both talking about recent projects or something you're working on. 
And I'm not going to read through the full list of questions. If you want to see all of these sample questions, you can go to newsletter.invinciblecareer.com and just look for the episode that's Improving Your Conversational Skills, Issue 261. So let me continue with some other questions. So other people I've met at events were sometimes just immediately more playful and a lot of fun to talk with. And I can think of a couple individuals I met at a UX Australia conference. So this was a couple years ago. It's sadly been a long time since I've done any speaking at a physical conference in the real world and, and traveled internationally. But I remember meeting one person and they were immediately fun. They were joking around. They were laughing a lot. They were asking questions about me and my talk and, and I was talking with them and we had almost an instant rapport. It was a lot of fun. It's almost like running into an old friend, you know, but one you've never met before. Will Rogers talks about that. <clears throat> a stranger is just a friend you haven't met yet. So I remember that event and soon after everything, uh, a small group of us went out for dinner and drinks and it was, it was a lot of fun and I really miss those days. So here are some sample questions. They're a little more fun. Some are a little more daring. And this depends on your definition of fun and daring, right? <laughs> uh, some people will be like, this isn't that daring because that's who they are. They're a big risk taker. Other people will be like, don't ever ask me that question. I don't want to talk about that. Um, just some examples. You know, in what ways has social media made our lives both better and worse? And people have some strong opinions about this. As a child, what did you want to be when you grew up? What is the secret to happiness? Where did you grow up? What was it like growing up there? And uh, kind of a weird one, but it's been going around in our house. Thank you, Elon Musk. Would you be interested in colonizing Mars? Why or why not? And let me tell you, there's some very different opinions on this. Some people are excited about that idea, and others are like, I would never leave this planet. Uh, and related to that, do you think there is other life in the universe? Why or why not? Here's a big one that a lot of us have been talking about recently. How will AI, artificial intelligence, help us and hurt us? Because there's an opportunity for it to do both. And to what degree? This one is a little more daring. If you could restart your career from the beginning, would you still choose this path? And even more daring, what is your biggest regret in life? Again, you have to judge your partner. Is this someone that you've built kind of a rapport with? You're having some fun. They're asking you good questions. And do you feel comfortable asking them questions like this? You know, like, what would you change in your life if you could start over? What are the top five things on your bucket list? What's the worst travel experience you've ever had? And I have more on this list if you go up to newsletter.invinciblecareer.com. And then finally, in my life, you know, I've had a few friends, and I would say very few, and family members, my close family members, who are willing to get into deep philosophical and metaphysical discussions about the meaning of life, the existence of time, good and evil, reality versus our perception of it. We enjoyed 
kind of hurting each other's brains with questions and conversations about life and death and psychology, economics, and pretty much any other crazy thing that would pop into our heads. I remember talking with a friend like this uh, in undergraduate college, and we would go off to a park and enjoy kind of the sunshine and maybe a, a beverage or two, and we get into these conversations and go deep on it, really deep. And the thing that was nice about that is there really were no boundaries. We could say anything, ask anything, talk about anything, and neither one of us would get hurt or offended or or scared off by the question. You know, it's like we could just talk about it. And that was the relationship that we had. It was a lot of fun. So make sure you're really comfortable with the other person you're going to be having this conversation with before you head down this path. Otherwise, yeah, they might feel intimidated. They might be shocked by what you just said or your opinion about something. And yeah, they're going to make a quick exit and say, yeah, I'm going to go grab another drink. See you later. So a few of the spicy questions for the bold, because they're kind of personal. I mean, what's the one thing holding you back from doing what you really want to do? You know, what you really want to do with your life. A popular one, are we living in a simulation? How could you even tell if we are or not? It's a good one. And I've talked with some people who have fun with this and some that hate it because as you start to unpack it, you're like, there is no way to, to tell. Because if it is that good and if the simulation is created by very advanced beings, we're just a little sim in a game. We don't know. Um, another one, who, who knows if they'd be comfortable answering this question. What is something you've never told anyone? That might be something you say with a close, close friend. Um, what is your weirdest quirk? Some people are okay with sharing that. Some aren't. Uh, let's see another one. Oh, this one's a little touchy, right? Cause it's kind of political, but what would happen if we implemented universal basic income? And I've had this conversation recently with a few people. And it doesn't have to be a big fight. It doesn't have to be a big political battle. It's just thinking through it rationally. Like, okay, what would we do? How would we implement it? What would it be? How would people use it? And what do you think people would do? How would they live their lives? Would people explore their creativity? You know, would they write more, play music, create art? Or would they just sit and play video games? And there's a lot of different opinions about this and it's, it's fun to look into and some psychology comes into this. So there's been some research on that and sense of purpose and what happens to people who win the lottery is a good example. So that's a fun one. If people can be decent about it and have a good conversation and similar, what would you do if you never had to work again? So let's say you hit it big in your startup, you know, you can retire or you win the lottery, whatever it is. What would you do with the rest of your life? Another one that's uh, kind of different, philosophical, are some people born evil? This is a whole nature-nurture question. And thinking about some individuals in history, were they born evil or did events turn them that way? It's a deep one. So more questions again, go up to newsletter.invinciblecareer.com and you can, uh, you can see some other examples. If you have any good ones that you've used as conversation starters or conversation facilitators, I'd love to see them. Go up and leave a comment on this, uh, this edition. You know, and in the end, I mean, do you know what the big secret is? I mean, maybe you've already figured this out from what I've been saying. 
the secret to being a great conversationalist is showing a genuine interest in your conversational partner. That means asking lots of questions and then truly listening to the answers. I mean, really listening and following up with more relevant questions and letting the conversation just flow naturally from what you hear them say. The sample questions that I shared, I mean, those are just some ideas to break the ice, you know, have some fun. In a real conversation, you would not pepper the person (laughs) with an endless stream of unrelated questions. That'd be bizarre. That'd be a really weird experience. No one would like that. And if you've watched a talented interviewer on television, or you've had the luck to observe one in person, you probably noticed something. You saw how they dovetailed their reaction to an answer and ask a natural follow-up question to keep the conversation going, keep things flowing. They keep the discussion on track thematically. So it's not like they're going off on random tangents. Everything is somewhat related. And it can be an extension. It can be, well, if you think this about this, what do you think would happen with this? But it's, it makes sense. It's all related. So I gave an example dialogue in the newsletter. You could start with, hey, what's the most interesting thing you've been working on lately? And the person would answer with whatever it is they're working on lately. At a company, something they've launched or whatever. And you could say, oh, I read about that. I saw the press release. Sounds really cool. What's the biggest challenge you faced with it? And there's always a challenge. I mean, nothing ever goes 100% smoothly, right? So that's a pretty safe follow-up question. And they would answer, hey, you know, this was the challenge that we faced. And you could respond with something that shows that you understand and that there is some connection between the two of you. You can say, oh, yeah, I'm familiar with that pain. I ran into that on a project last year. Are you using solution XYZ to address that? So now you're building rapport. You're building a connection. You understand what they went through. And you're probably in the same industry. And you've experienced it too. And so they would answer something. They'd say, no, no, we actually didn't use that solution. We actually did this. And then you could respond, well, that's interesting. I haven't heard about that before. How do you like it? And then they tell you how they like it. And that's how a conversation can just flow naturally. You're digging a little bit deeper. You're asking follow-up questions. You're showing a real interest. You're not dismissing anything they're saying. And that brings up kind of a final point I wanted to make, which was there are some mistakes you can make. And occasionally I do run into someone who does one of the, the following during a conversation. And unsurprisingly, I then do everything I can to avoid being pulled into a discussion with that person ever again in the future. It's just not fun. It's not fun. Life's too short. One of the big ones that I called out, dominating the conversation or talking endlessly about yourself, right? You know, so it all began when I was six years old and I had a vision and a dream for my life and I went to school and and then I went off to college and did this. And then after college, I started my first job. And then here's how I progressed through my entire career. And it's not a job interview, but here we are listening to this person's life. And I'm sure you've attended events where there's a cluster of people around someone in the middle, usually someone notable, and they're just talking endlessly. And maybe some people like that. I can't stand it. So I walk away from those. It's like, come on, this isn't a conversation. And somewhat related to that, People who are bragging and humble bragging. 
you know, where they're sitting at a party. Like, so I turned to Zuck and I said, you know what? We should buy Instagram. And and I mean, everyone in the room, everyone was blown away by my brilliance. I mean, it was all me. That was my idea. Zuck loves to hear what I have to say. I mean, the name dropping, the humble bragging, no one wants to hear it. One that's actually important, and I'm surprised how many times people do this. I think they do it unconsciously, is trivializing something you say. So they'll ask you, what book have you read lately? And you'll talk about the book. Oh, I really love this book. And they'll say, oh, you like that book? I thought that it was too superficial. It's not really my preference. Same thing with music, same thing with anything. Or a car you purchased. I I watched somebody do this. You know, oh, I bought this car. It's like, really? That's That's not really the good model of that car. I mean, you should have waited for this car. I mean, why would you do that to somebody? Don't trivialize someone else's answers or feelings or likes and dislikes. And then again, somewhat related, and I have, uh, hmm. I'm not going to mention names. I'm not going to mention names. Uh, he probably doesn't listen to this anyway. I have a cousin who does this. Constantly one-upping everything. One-upping everything I say. No matter what it is I share, he'll say, well, that's nothing. Let me tell you about this. And, you know, these are the people like you say, oh, we had a big product launch and we're so proud, you know, it did really well and it's already driving this amount of revenue for the company. And someone will say, oh, that's nothing. I had a product launch last quarter that was twice as big as that. And we're already seeing it's delivering 3x that amount of revenue. Well, good for you. I mean, (laughs) why? Why do you have to steal the spotlight? Why do you have to one up somebody? Don't do that. Another one that people run into all the time. And I run into this all the time, believe it or not. People who are correcting you, acting as if they know more than you do, and telling you what you should think or feel or do. This is also known as mansplaining. And I've been mansplained by a lot of men, let me tell you. They'll say things like, oh, that bothered you? You shouldn't let it get to you. You know what you should do next time? Let me, let me tell you how you should handle that next time. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you exactly what you should do and how you should feel. Stop with the mansplaining. Nobody likes that. Nobody likes that at all. And then finally, this is the one I talked about earlier. It's like somebody who's barely paying attention to what you're saying. And you can tell they're just impatiently waiting for their turn to talk. They'll even be like kind of bouncing up and down or you can see them starting to talk and opening their mouth and shutting it, opening their mouth and shutting it. It's like, Calm down, man. Are you even listening to what I'm saying? Can you can you wait your turn? Can you let that other person finish what they're saying? You know, they'll be like listening like, oh, yeah, right, right, right. Okay, well, anyway, this is what I've been doing lately. It's like, come on. You know, show some respect. Pay attention. It isn't all about you. And in the end, the reason I am sharing this is that conversational skills, they matter. They do matter. You know, if you're lucky enough to find yourself in a conversation with someone who understands all the nuances of being a delightful conversational partner, you're going to see that they're asking you just as many questions as you're asking them. It's not going to be a one-sided thing. You'll notice that they're paying attention to what you say. You will feel like they are genuinely interested in you. And this is important because everyone wants to be seen. Everyone wants to feel like they're being heard. We want to be heard. We want to feel like we matter. One of the greatest gifts you can give another human being 
is your full attention in a conversation so that they can feel this way if only for a brief moment in time. If you do this, they will remember you fondly forever. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you would like to follow upcoming releases of the show, please subscribe. And as always, I appreciate your ratings and reviews. Thank you. If you would like to learn more about Invincible Career and the podcast, you can visit InvincibleCareer.com. Until next time, I wish you the best of luck in becoming an opportunity magnet for the best things in life.